0: Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we talk about all things OCD. If you're looking for help, download my free OCD Survival Kit. It's packed with resources and bonus worksheets to support you on your journey. Go to www.coreresults.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today with me, I have a special guest, Amanda Petrick-Gardner, who specializes in the treatment of obsessive compulsive disorder and related disorders, including OCD, body dysmorphic disorder, hoarding, trichotillomania, and excoriation? Amanda is the creator of the OCD Exposure Coloring Books and is on the board of, for OCD Kansas and affiliate of the IOCDF International OCD Foundation. Amanda currently provides teletherapy to the states of Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska, Missouri, Michigan, Maine, Arizona, and Florida. Wow, amazing! Welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you for having me. It's good to see you again. You as well. So I wanted to have you on here because I know you are putting a course together for um, inference-based CBT, and I thought, let's talk about this. And one of my first questions for you is, what are some of the core concepts of ICBT?
1: Oh Yes, let's get right into it. Some of the core concepts, I think one part that I love talking about, and I think listeners with OCD can really resonate is this idea of obsessional doubt versus reasonable doubt, which seems so simple, but I had never heard about it until ICBT. This idea that like everybody has doubts. However, some have direct evidence in the here and now, meaning let's take the doubt. What if it's going to rain today? Right? You might look out the window and see dark clouds. That is here and now evidence, direct here and now evidence that is actually occurring in the present moment. That makes it a reasonable doubt. It makes it credible. And reasonable doubts are actually resolved pretty easily. You're going to find out soon if it's going to rain. However, an obsessional doubt has no direct evidence. So that's the person who looks outside and it's bright and sunny skies, Um, nothing on the weather report says it's going to rain. Yet they cannot stop thinking, what if it's going to rain today? Now, I don't know many people with OCD that are worrying about if it's going to rain, but that is an example of an obsessional doubt where there's nothing in the present moment that's giving any credibility to the doubt. And so a big part of ICBT is helping our clients recognize if all this information from their OCD story, if any of it's coming from this direct moment in front of us, or if it's subjectively generated, coming from their imagination. And as I'm guessing your listeners are guessing, it's usually subjectively generated. If it's not coming from the imagination, it's not obsessional. So that's probably a big part that I just found so helpful. And I couldn't believe that I didn't know about this for all the years treating OCD.
0: Yeah, that's. I'd have to say I agree. It's a very interesting Place when we kind of pause and look at that and realize, yeah, wait a second, there's, there's this difference in, in what's happening and we can actually name it. And, and I, am pretty sure anybody listening right now, of course, this is a common question, right? Like, well, when you say imagination, but, but what if, right? Like, but this thing could happen, right? It, it might though, right? And people get so kind of caught up in this, like, because I know this, it's happened before or I've seen it and, but it could. So yeah, what would you say to that? <laughs> so possibility.
1: So that was another point That I'm like, how have I never discussed this in the world of OCD treatment before? Everything is possible, literally everything. And there's literally millions of possibilities that occur, could occur all day, every day. And we're never gonna challenge that. We're not gonna say, yeah, it's not possible you're gonna not have a heart attack today. It's not possible you're not contaminated. It's not possible that you're not gonna stab your spouse. What we're gonna help clients understand is that those possibilities are irrelevant unless there's information in the here and now that are saying that these possibilities are occurring. Again, people are probably still sitting here but saying, but man, it's possible. And what do you mean by if there's information in the here and now? So let's take an example. I'll use the example of a heart attack. It's possible either of us could have a heart attack right now while we're on this podcast, right? How come, even though it's possible, we're not going ahead and calling an ambulance or rushing off to the ER. Well, probably because we're not feeling heart pain, right? If we were to feel heart pain, but even that might not be enough direct evidence to tell us that something is happening. We would need something in this moment to tell us that we need to go to the ER. Or let's use another possibility. It's possible that our house could catch on fire. How come we're not going ahead and calling an ambulance, right? Well, because I don't see fire. I don't hear anything falling down around me. We don't tend to act on possibilities until something in the present moment tells us to do so. Once we get that information, now it's reasonable to act on it. But what's funny in OCD situations We think we should go ahead and act on these possibilities without that information. We're like, well, I'm going to just go ahead and act on the possibility of contamination, even without that information. Or I'm going to go ahead and act on the possibility I could stab my spouse, even though I'm not stabbing my spouse. So, all that reasoning, how we usually respond to possibilities, it's like it kind of goes out the window and we decide, well, I'm just going to act on it in case. But that's not how we live our lives typically
0: kind of brings the point of, you know, wanting to ask the question about, you know, inferential confusion, right? And, and that's obviously in the title of of this treatment, right? Inference-based CBT and, right, how we arrive at these conclusions. What is this based on? What's the process? Right? Mm-hmm. So with inference-based CBT, you know, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, that the process or kind of what the goal of the treatment really is, right? Because people might yeah. say, am I arguing then or like trying to dis qualify, you know, my, then what was my OCD brain is saying? And yeah. So what would you say to that?
1: Yeah. So I'll take it back a few steps. I get so excited and I jump ahead. So for people that aren't even aware, so first an inference, cause even just the word inference, I think sometimes confuses people. I had to like Google it to make sure I even knew what an inference was when I started. Inference is just a conclusion. It's just a, a result based on a line of reasoning, right? So what ICBT says is that these obsessions or obsessional doubts we're having are inferences or conclusions that we're coming to. They're not intrusions, right? They're not just these random thoughts that fell out of the sky and plopped down in our head. They're actually a result of a line of thinking, okay? So then comes the term inferential confusion you mentioned, which is kind of the core mechanism of ICBT. It's what we are actually trying to resolve here. Inferential confusion, fancy word just to say we are confusing reality for imagination, right? We are using, Are we, we're distrusting our senses. We're over-relying on possibilities. We're taking things like facts and Using them in an out-of-context manner, doing all of these tricks and things that we don't do all day, every day, but we're doing them in OCD situations to all of a sudden buy into this imaginative story or world. And that's how inferential confusion happens. And now, why all of a sudden we're pulled into this doubt that we know is not happening. This is why I love OCD clients, because they're like, I know this is not happening. They're they're very logical and insightful. They know they're inferentially confused, but there's something that's still pulling them in. And that's what we're figuring out in ICPT is what's still pulling you in, making you believe that the story is possible.
0: Yeah, from what you're saying, it sounds like a lot of it also, you know, it's possibility, right? It's like, okay, even though like, well, it's not, but it could be, but what if? So it's a lot of that. And kind of creating those that distinction, right? That like, okay, wait a second, that's that's different though, than like I'm literally seeing it, I'm smelling it, I'm touching it, I'm hearing it, tasting it.
1: I love the sense work in this. It has been eye-opening for me how how we tend to trust our senses all day, every day. Right? We trust our senses when we're driving and we get places safely, we trust our senses when we cook. And we don't burn down the house. We trust our senses with our kids, and we keep them alive. But oh my goodness, once OCD, you know, obsessional doubts pop up. OCD's like you can't trust your senses. You can't trust that you saw what you saw or that you heard what you heard. But we do trust our senses ninety nine point nine percent of the times. So ICBT is really helping us come back to that and trust in ourselves and what we know to be true again, and how. OCD plays these little tricks on us and says, Oh, what if your vision isn't working? What if you what if you blinked and you missed something? It's like, no, (laughs) that's not how it works. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you said that because
0: that's something that I will say, you know, and and anybody listening, I I think that is a question people have, right? It's it's like conceptually, I I can get that or cognitively, but when, of course, it comes to the moment, as we all know, well, maybe not all, but I'd say you know, with o c d it's very selective right we We suddenly really focus on these certain areas that are our vulnerabilities, and those are areas where we're not really just applying our standard processes, and we're not we don't even realize that in many ways right we're We're just kind of caught up in something, so when we're thinking about this in the whole world of the census, if somebody is kind of grasping this concept and just wanting to, you know, even try to engage with that when they're presented with their trigger, right? And, and if you like, what would you say if somebody's like, okay, yeah, but right, because that can happen a lot, right? Where you're like, say, well, like, yes, yes, I know, I know, I could see and I saw that there. And I trusted that there. But right, so those kind of things, would you say back to, to the person that then? Well, is that maybe part of, you know? getting caught up in the imagination of possibility again.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And one of the tools that we use at this moment, um, and this is further in the process, but we use something that, you know called reality sensing, which is where we help our clients learn to use their senses like we do all day, every day. And what I love about this module is they think they're learning a brand new skill that they've never learned before, but it's actually a skill that they've always used, but they're learning to trust in again. And that's where it's different than mindfulness, where mindfulness is learning to like hyper focus on something like hyper focus on something you can see or smell, whereas reality sensing isn't a new skill you're learning to master. It's actually learning to use your senses in a natural, just effortless way like you do when you're reading a book or when you're just driving your car. You don't feel the need to like stare at anything or double check you just know what you saw and you trust in that. So we're helping our clients get back to that. And the less we're in the bubble, and by the bubble, what I mean by that is like absorbed into that imaginative story or world, the less we find the need to like hyper focus or stare or second guess ourselves. We can just trust in What we know to be true in this moment. Yeah, I think so. This actually leads to my—I mean, I I know I asked you a lot of different questions, but one of the main
0: questions that I wanted to ask, which I know a lot of people, you know, as they're kind of continuing to learn about the different modalities, right? One of the questions is how is or how does ICBT compare to, let's say, ERP or ACT, right, or these other modalities that we have? Because you know, we'd say that they they operate differently. Maybe some areas can be similar, right? Oftentimes, people will say things like, "Oh, well, then." like, do I do exposure and then kind of, I guess, work on seeing like what I'm doubting or what would you say to that?
1: Yeah, they're they're vastly different. So as I mentioned before, one of the big pieces is the fact that ICBT views this as an inference. It's something, it's a conclusion we're coming to, as opposed to as a random thought that popped into our head. Okay. Also with ICBT, It's something we call an upstream process, meaning we're tackling the doubt from the beginning. If we can change the doubt, then everything that follows after the doubt is resolved. But what, what I mean by that is after the doubt comes the fear, the anxiety, and then the compulsion. If we can address the doubt from the beginning, then none of the rest even happens. Whereas treatments like exposure and response, which are also effective, they tackle the things that follow downstream. They tackle the anxiety and the compulsions. They say, okay, let's expose to and habituate to the anxiety that it produces, and let's work on decreasing the compulsions. Like I said, which is great and effective, but it's working on the result of the inference. ICBT says, well, if we just work on the inference to begin with, none of that even happens. So that's a huge difference. Also, just the fact that ICBT doesn't have exposures where it's we're going to purposely produce anxiety and then we're going to repeat that again and again so that we habituate and learn that that there's no danger present. With ICBT, there's no exposures. You know, some people will say, well, isn't the obsessional story an exposure? Anything in life that you do could produce anxious feelings. That doesn't mean it's an exposure. But there's no exposures, nothing we're doing to purposely produce anxiety and nothing that we're going to repeat over and over again with the intent of habituation. Decrease in anxiety actually happens when we're not in the bubble. When we realize that the obsessional doubt is not occurring, the anxiety doesn't happen. So the anxiety isn't disappearing because of habituation. The anxiety is decreasing because we're no longer living in this imaginative world. So those are some of the big pieces.
0: So like if you're grounded in reality and something's happening, like you said earlier, right, we we, as humans generally will respond to it. We might have some natural feelings, whatever those are. But generally, we think through the stuff. We resolve it. We have a plan, whatever we do. And then we typically move on. That's generally how things work. Right. And then here, though, again, it's that let's see if we can, again, understand in the beginning when we're starting to enter this other place that just produces a lot more anxiety and seems never ending. And so if we don't go more deeply into that place, then this is what's possible is that you can then stay out of that and then you can actually start to work on real resolutions that actually are in reality. And like everything else, I guess you kind of dismiss. Right.
1: Exactly. That's perfect. And same thing with reducing compulsions, whereas ERP tackles or provides strategies on how to decrease the compulsions. And ICPT says if, again, we're living in the present moment where the obsessional doubt is not occurring, we don't even find the need to do the compulsions. When the obsessional doubt's not even happening, there's nothing, no anxiety produced that the compulsions are needed.
0: So I know you have an ICBT course, like I mentioned earlier, that's coming up. And I want to talk about that real quick. So if we can go over that, because I think for anybody listening, one is Amanda's a great teacher, um, love the coloring books, but also I know for sure that I've, I've actually taken one of your BFRB online courses and I love the breakdown, the education, everything's just so well organized. So can we talk a little bit about the course, kind of who it's intended for, Can anybody come or is this just for therapists
1: or yeah? Thank you. Yes. So I'm doing my first um, ICBT workshop, six hours. It is for therapists for continuing education. It is, you can get NBCC continuing education hours for it, September 22nd. So hopefully we'll do more and get approval from other uh, credentialing agencies or whatever they're called if, if this is successful, but it will be for therapists who are just wanting to learn what ICBT is. I learned from the manual and then from doing consultations and trainings and just for people that like to have kind of this hands-on treatment or training, then this will be a good fit.
0: Yeah. And so what do you cover in it for anybody who's interested in attending?
1: Yes, we are going module one through 12. So it's going oh, wow. a lot of information, give you that foundation, hopefully for people that are wanting to continue their journey and become a little bit more specialized in it. They'll then go on to consultation or hopefully read the manual, but this will give them a good overview of everything that the manual covers.
0: Amazing. And so for anybody who's listening, who maybe is not a therapist, where would you recommend they go? Because, you know, sometimes people want to learn a little bit on their own. Sometimes you want to help with from a therapist. Um, but yeah, if somebody's looking for additional, especially for themselves, if they want to learn more.
1: Yeah. If you're a, an individual with OCD or family member, that's really interested in ICBT, go to the ICBT website, which is just icbt.online. The one thing I love about this community is there's no gatekeeping, like all the resources have just been put out to the community for free. There are all the worksheets, videos, there is a um, list of trained providers on the website so that you can start learning and seeing if this is a good fit for your OCD and then see if there's a provider that might be a good fit for you. But I would start there. That website has everything.
0: Yeah. It's got a lot of resources. So for anybody who wants to sign up for uh, your course, where would they go?
1: Yep. You can check out my website, amandalcpc.com. It's linked on there or any of my social media will have it as well. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Amanda. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want to take your recovery journey to the next level, our online class, Be OCD-Free ERP Mindset, may be the right thing for you. It features video lessons, journal prompts, and worksheets designed to help you break the OCD cycle. Access it now and start thriving today at www.coreresults.com forward slash e-learning. All links are in the show notes.